I got this. Okay. It's hard to see. It's not up here. You know, something that was very important to Don and Gary about coming on as pastor is having biblical theology and something that I'm very adamant about is that the Word of God is true, nothing missing, nothing added. And there's an experience that I recently went through about 20 minutes ago that makes me question if there is something missing. It was when Jesus got anointed with oil and forgot to add when he got up to go, my eyes, my eyes, my eyes. That was a fun experience. I really appreciate you guys anointing me with oil and choosing me to be your pastor. Over the last several weeks, we've been on a message series that has been called Charting Your Course. The first week was Seeking God's Direction in Uncertainty. The second week was Trusting God's Plan. And this week in Charting Your Course, it's Walking in Faith and Not Fear. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. I don't know about you guys, but has there ever been a time or a moment in life when you have had fear? I've had plenty of them. But one of them, if my friend in the sound booth will go to the first slide as she's walking back there. It's okay. I'm going to show you a before picture and an after photo. These were not too far taken apart, but one was when I was in Uganda and another photo was taken in the Philippines. I was going to the Philippines on a missions trip, and I was really excited about it. I had some difficulty actually fundraising money, and so God gave me an idea to Google search mission scholarships online, and there's very little mission scholarships for people who don't belong to a denomination. I did not. Ironically, one of the scholarships for students was actually here out of Tulsa in a Baptist missions organization called All-Star. And I wasn't a part of the organization. And it was actually only meant for kids within the Baptist or that organization. And it was a Memorial Hope Scholarship. And his name was Brent Jr. And Brent was 15 years of age. He went on a missions trip, contracted a serious infection and disease, came home, was in the hospital and died. And so there was a memorial scholarship that gave students money in his honor. And about two days before I was to go to the Philippines, his father reached out to me and said, Evan, you know, I know you're not a part of this organization and you're not a part of the Baptist, but he goes, I've seen many students give up 
going on a missions trip because they, they were afraid that they didn't have the money to go. So they backed out. And he goes, you've stayed in contact with me for over a year. I've seen your faithfulness. You're still several thousand dollars short from going, and you're two days before you go. So I want to give you $1,000. And then he also gave me a book that he wrote with journal entries from his son. So here I go over to the Philippines, and I'm there about three or four days, and one of the pastors decided to take me out for supper. But his idea from out for supper was, I'm going to feed you street food. And that American body could not handle the street food. I got crazy sick. I got food poisoning or more. But what was unique is that night before I went to the hospital, I was laying in my bed. And I heard God tell me this. Do you want to give up and throw on the towel or... And he stopped. And I was just like, all right, I want to stick it out because... God miraculously funded the trip within the last few days before I left. What proceeded to happen is I got worse. And then I got taken to the hospital. And do you guys remember swine flu in around 2008? Well, for whatever reason, the Philippines doctors... I was in a third world hospital, just so you know. It wasn't great. They thought I had H1N1. No test, but because that was the thing going on, they quarantined me and didn't do anything for me. And they kept bringing me seafood, which I don't eat seafood, okay? I barely eat some fish, but seafood and I don't get along at all. And so all they're bringing me is seafood, so I'm not eating. I lose 50 pounds in about a week and a half. I went from 180 to 130, and that's what I looked like at 130 with an orange slice in my mouth. And what was unique about this time in the hospital, it was seven days before my, the pastor that I was with just took me out of the hospital and said, he's dying in here, we're going to take him home and take care of him ourselves. No TV. I was isolated in a room alone with a bed. Very rarely did I have people come visit me. And when they did, they were, they were uh, oh, dressed to the T because they were afraid of me. And I thought I was going to die. And that was a very hard seven days being alone and having nothing but my thoughts. And realizing I got a scholarship to go on a missions trip from a boy that got sick overseas, came back and died. And that was a very real fear of mine. And I had just read about that story in book on my flight over, too. So not only did I get the, the, the money, I, I read his story and his father's journey. And so for me, at that moment, I had to trust that God would see me through and I had the choice to try to go back to America or stick it out. And I chose to stick it out, not knowing if I was going to live or die or, or what was going to happen. But I knew that God miraculously provided for me to go. And so despite my pain, despite my suffering, I believe that God had something in store there. There's other men 
who experienced far worse than that. We see David facing a lion, a bear, Goliath, even Saul as the king. He was running from Saul, and many times David felt afraid and alone. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. Joseph was sold into slavery, accused of rape, and then thrown into prison. And the most daunting one is Jesus faced the cross. Physical torture. Each man had to get to a place where there was no options but to trust God in their circumstances and in their pain. God's purpose for these men was fulfilled on the other side of fear and pain. God uses and redeems fear and God redeems the pain and he gives it purpose. There is a famous uh, television host by the name of Bear Giles. Do you guys know who he is? He's kind of like this outdoorsman. Uh, he's the guy that would eat all this weird food and like do this backtracking stuff. And then he had celebrities come with him. He was... Um, I forgot what his specific role was in the military in England, but it was pretty substantial. The dude fell out of a helicopter and survived, by the way. Like, that was amazing. But he has this quote that is just amazing. Being brave isn't the absence of fear. Being brave is having that fear, but finding a way through it. And we could even almost say the same thing when we're facing it, but with faith. Being faithful or having faith isn't the absence of fear. But being and having faith is finding a way through fear. There's biblical examples of how to overcome fear. Three of which are overcoming fear with power, love, and self-discipline, or you could say a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The spirit of fear and anxiety are no greater today than they were a thousand years ago. And I think the further away people and culture get from biblical living, the more examples of fear and anxiety we get in our life. There's differences in fear and anxiety and how it takes place. Some is biological. Some of it is circumstantial. But when we go through fear with anxiety, we can trust that God is with us and can see us through those difficult moments. When we talk about overcoming the fear with power, we have power over fear because we live in the power of the resurrection. Luke 10:19 says, I have given you authority to trample snakes and scorpions and have overcome all power that the enemy has. 
nothing will harm you. We can overcome, again, fear with love. A common lie that I have believed many times in my life is that God is out to get me. And I unintentionally had that as my subconscious thought in relationship to God. And I think that is because as a child growing up, every time I did anything slightly wrong, my father was there to correct or discipline me. And whether it was intentional to help me grow as a young man or just out of some of his own angers and frustrations, and I experienced that as a father as well, sometimes I'm, I just, I'm too quick to correct my kids. They're kids. They're going to make messes. They're going to do things. And what I realized in my own relationship with God, because every, what felt like every small thing that I did wrong, my dad was there to correct, I felt like everything, sorry, every small thing that I do wrong in my life, I'm kind of looking over at my shoulders expecting God to somehow smite me or disapprove of me or be angry or upset with me. And so what's happened in my life is I've told myself this lie that God doesn't approve of me, because what I look back through my life in the lens and the story that I created is that this narrative is that he's out to get me because I'm not good enough. And so my relationship with God got colored through this lie and this lens that I believed. But something amazing happened in the summer of 2008. You guys familiar with the Jinx Bridge over here? So there's a snow cone stand over in that uh, park area. And in 2008, I ran a snow cone stand in that park. And this was before smartphones. And I, I didn't have anything to do all day while I waited to build snow cones. And so I just had my Bible, and I'd pray, and I'd read. And something that was difficult for me was learning and reading, reading retention. I had a vision problem that went undiagnosed until I was in sixth grade. And as I couldn't see binoculars, my eyes could not work together when I would try to read. So like if I'm reading, he alone is my rock and my salvation, one I would try to be focused on the he, and the other I would be reading somewhere down here on salvation. I wasn't dyslexic, but I just couldn't see words together. And that summer, as I was spending a lot of time alone in the snow cone shack, praying and reading the Bible, God broke that lie that I had carried that he was out to get me. And I started experiencing God's love in a way that I hadn't experienced before. It went from a head knowledge of God's love to, I say, a heart knowledge and experience that he has called me his child, that he's grafted me into the family. And I didn't know it, but that summer he healed me of learning disabilities, of reading and reading comprehension. I didn't know until I got back to my first class at ORU when we were going as an ethics class and the teacher was speaking and I was understanding what he was saying and comprehending it and I raised my hand and I said, hey, I see what you're saying and I think this is the direction you're trending. And then the whole class laughs at me and says, oh, that's so stupid, Evan. There's no way he's going that direction. And he goes, no, that's actually exactly where I'm going with this. And in that moment... I could have crawled back into that fear of not being good enough, but when he corrected that publicly, what happened is it realized in my 
what I realized in my life is not only did God heal me, but I've been believing this lie that I'm not good enough. And so what I want to read is 1 John 14.8. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we are not fully experiencing his perfect love. I was always afraid of God's punishment. But it was when I experienced his love that I no longer became afraid of doing something or not behaving a certain way to be on God's bad side. I realized the work of the cross and that gift of salvation, not only was it already in my life, but it came more tangible and more real to me than I'd ever experienced. And thirdly, so power, love, and self-discipline. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 8. The end of all these things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, be sober-minded. For for the sake of your prayers, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since since love cures a multitude of sins. Galatians 5.22-23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there are no law. Self-control, self-discipline. Hebrews 12.11 All discipline for the moment seems not joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, Afterwards, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. And uh, the key word in there is train. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. What I realized is so many times I was trying to please God. I was trying to be better. I was trying to present myself a certain way and live a certain way. I wasn't training. And what I realized is there's this moment, and Craig Rochelle, in one of his messages years ago, or I don't know how long ago, he says, don't try, train. And to me, when I look at self-discipline, how do I become more of who God has called me to be through the act of self-discipline? How do I get over fear by walking more in faith comes not by trying but by training the only reason why David could face Goliath is because he first faced a lion and a bear when we see Jesus on the cross and what he went through he had a moment before that in Gethsemane with God but even before that there were a lot of other times that he had spent alone with his father and those moments were moments of him to grow and to learn and to train as the, as the physical aspect of man to go through that crucifixion and to know who God is and to know his Father and to know his will and to be able to walk it out. There's an amazing theologian, and if Aaron were to text me right now, well, I don't have my phone on me, but if Aaron was to text me right now, there's an amazing theologian that has a quote, and his name is Master Yoda. Do or do not, there is no try. And what I realized 
through not only just Star Wars, but many times, going back to, there's that trying. Just train. And then lastly, I have a, a mentor of mine who was the men, Dean of Men at Oral Roberts University. His name is Matt Olson. And he said, great men and women do the things they don't want to do when they don't want to do them. And so when it comes to choosing to walk in faith over fear, what I've learned is we do that through power, love, and self-discipline. And just because I have fear doesn't mean I'm not walking in faith. There's, a, I grew up in a, in a belief that if you're sick, don't say you're sick or else you're confessing it. Don't talk about negative things. Uh, don't get me wrong. You don't want to speak death because life and death are in the power of the tongue over a situation. But it was almost as if you can't be truthful because if you speak anything negative, it's going to come to pass. When we're in fear, we can be honest with God where we're at, much like David was in the Psalms. We can say, God, I'm afraid of the situation. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. When I was in the hospital, I said, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to live or die. And I've been given the option to travel home. But I believe you also have something here for me. And I don't know what that looks like in life or in death. But I know you brought me to this point. So I'm going to step out in faith that you're going to work on my behalf and in this situation. And even though I'm going to have fear in the process, that doesn't mean that I still don't have faith or that I'm wrong or that I'm breaking one of God's rules or laws or commandments. When we live our life, we can live it in faith, even if there feels like there's a presence of fear. Because it's the faith that we're walking it out, not the absence of. So today I'm going to pray, and we're going to end, and then we're going to have the song of invitation. And if you haven't yet given your life to the Lord, I would encourage you at that moment to come forward and we'll pray with you. Father God, as we end this here today, I thank you for who you are and what you've done through and by your son shed blood. And I thank you that in the presence of fear, you are there. When Jesus was facing the cross, he was sweating blood because there was so much anxiousness and fear that physically manifested itself in that manner. But yet, you and your presence were with him, and through that process, he went to the cross to die for our sins. But I think that we can have faith and walk in faith despite present fear. And whether fear is there or is not in our life, that doesn't depend on our relationship with you or your presence in our life. That you are with us despite fear. That you are with us despite our circumstances. And through you, we can be led and be guided into not only truth and righteousness, but in your will and your way. And that whatever pain, whatever hurt that we experience, you redeem 
on this side of eternity or after. So God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done through and by Jesus' shed blood, we pray. Amen. If you guys would like to come up and pray and sing.